Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Hey babe, welcome to my show and hi, I haven't seen you in like ages. So I'm just really happy that you're here and that we get to have a chat today. I know it went from like seeing each other every week and like being in each other's um, boxer channel every single day <laughs> to radio silence. Isn't that so silly how that happens though? Yeah, it's crazy. So for those of you who are listening, Ava and I met in a business mastermind and so like, you know, instant connection, talking every day. And then, you know, as life can sometimes be, you just kind of like fall off people's radars. So it's really nice to actually connect again properly with you and also to hear about everything that you've been moving through over the last year, because I know that you've been pivoting and dying and being reborn. I think loads of people are going to resonate with this because the last two years have been pretty wild in that regard for so many people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because, you know, I started really feeling it. I would say even during the mastermind, I remember there was a point where I was in Maui and I think it was Danelle who gave me the advice, like, just go be held in the water, pretend that the ocean is the masculine holding you and let your mind just like totally um, be present in the moment and witnessing sensation. And I remember coming back to the group and being like, my mind was trying to label every single aspect of that experience. And it was just so funny because I was in this really tender space starting in the mastermind surrounded by so much power. And I think it's really easy in, um, in these spaces, whether it be masterminds or just the online world altogether to feel very individual and isolated in your experience. And it really wasn't until I would say like September where I started openly sharing like, yeah, I'm feeling this like massive shedding in this, and this death happening that so many other people were like, you're not alone. You're not alone. And I think it's really incredible that we get to have spaces like this, where we can, you know, openly and vulnerably share our journeys, because there are so many people that throughout the past two years have had a rough go, you know, we've had beautiful experiences. And then there's also been so many times where we've really had to take a step back and ask ourselves, like, what am I doing here? And is this aligned with who I want to be and how I want to show up in the world and what is inherently true to me? 
And that can be a difficult and like very ego provoking conversation to have, but it's made me personally feel so free to be able to go through that process myself. Yeah. I think there's, there's also this like added weird texture to it when you're going through something like that and you have visibility and you have a big audience and you're like known for being something, but your soul is calling you in another direction. But like your money has been like attached to that thing. And now you're moving into the unknown thing. And it's just like, it's, it's an interesting and expansive, but also like super messy journey, like you said. So like, let's talk a bit about your, you know, passage through this. So when I met you, uh, you were doing like, you were, you were doing your breathwork stuff, but you were really like, to me on a first impression, like a business coach, you know, Mm -hmm. and now you're really like taking up space as like this breathwork facilitator and you're training other facilitators and creating your impact in this way now. So like, what was the death and rebirth of this for you? Like, how did it start? How did it feel? What was the journey? Oh, it felt challenging. (laughs) (laughs) Also to give you like a little bit of background, because I don't know if we ever um, talked about like my past past, but I, in my early twenties, I would say like grew up quote unquote in the corporate digital marketing space. I was in startups. I helped like launch agencies. And so the business aspect of things and like the strategy and the technical aspect of scaling came so easy to me. And I kind of boxed myself into the space of, well, I'm really good at this and I've helped a lot of people. So this is what I'm going to do because it's easy for me. And Once I started finding a lot of success in business coaching and starting to tune more into the feminine aspect of business coaching and bringing the feminine into our businesses and really leading from the body and saw how much more impact I was able to have, I found a lot of passion with that of being able to really rewrite the story of how business can be done and how we can create a business from a place of passion and pleasure and play instead of just like structured, logical, um, analytical approach, which I know that you know just as well, probably actually way better than I do. (laughs) I will say that. Um, And so when I had first started coaching, I did so from a business place because it was really easy for me. Um, And on the back end, I was really using breathwork and meditation to help me grow my business, to help me deepen my relationship with my intuition, to be more creative, to create safety and neutrality in my body so I could um, receive higher numbers of money and more students and greater impact. Um, And around January 2020, February 2020, right before the world shut down, I had the idea for the Academy of Breath. And I wanted to really equip healers and teachers and coaches with um, breathwork and meditation because I knew how powerful it was for me. And then I knew how powerful it was on a personal level in so many different industries. And so I created the Academy of Breath at the first round we did, like June 2020, we had 64 students go through. I was like, if I have 10 people inside of this, I'll be happy. And we had 64 people go through. And that's when I was like, oh, 
That's I'm sick. on to something here. <laughs> like this is, I, I had never been, I've never held anything like that before. So I knew that I was onto something there and I had so much passion with it, but there was a part of me, this like rebellious part of me that didn't want to be boxed in. I wanted to have, be able to do as many things as possible and keep it interesting and keep it fun and be able to talk about whatever I wanted to talk about. So I kept doing the coaching and kept launching programs and had a lot of success and it was really fun. And then at a certain point in, um, again, I would say like February or March of 2021, when we were in the mastermind, I started feeling resistance, a lot of imposter syndrome and this sticky energy around launching and talking about different elements of business. And I found myself anytime I would go to post an Instagram live or um, do an Instagram story or start building out content for a workshop, questioning the hell out of myself. And I was so confused because that had never happened before. And I would walk away from, again, hosting a workshop or going live and just break myself down. I would criticize myself. I would look at other people's content and say, wow, they talk about these things so much better than I do. And I started experiencing just a lot of self-doubt through the lens of coaching, which was so interesting because I had helped so many people and it was something that I was so excited about beforehand. And then I went to launch the Academy of Breath I think for like the third or fourth time, had an incredible launch. Every time I would talk about it, I would get off of an interview or a live and just be lit up and feel so much energy throughout my body. And I realized after a couple of times of like seeing the dichotomy of both of those experiences that the business element of things was no longer working for me and that it was no longer providing the sense of fulfillment that it once had. So that was really the start of me like becoming aware. And I wish that I could say then I just like nipped it in the bud and didn't do any more business stuff. My ego was like holding on to dear life for that identity or to that identity. Um, And it was really a process and an unraveling of like gently letting my ego know like it's safe to let go of this. It's safe to again, die in the form of this identity so that you can welcome in more of what feels good and what is true and where your heart is really leading you. Amazing. Amazing. I feel like you almost did like the opposite of the journey that most people go through where they like start as healers and then become, you know, business coaches for healers. You, you did like the inverse where you're like, yeah, your soul just wanted to like bring the breath to the people. And it's such important work. And I love seeing how so many more people are like getting, you know, into breath work now and exploring that and just feeling the power of that. And, you know, like I'm a huge advocate for the breath. I'd love to hear about, you know, the kind of breath work that you do, the impacts that it has to people, like, cause there's so many different kinds of mm-hmm. breath work and ways that you can engage with this work, but what's your flavor? Mm, yes, I have many different flavors. <laughs> I always like to say that I'm creating my or mixing my little breathwork cocktails because the breath truly is medicine. I mean, you know, it's so powerful. And there are so many different styles of breathwork that it really depends 
on how we are feeling and what our intention is and what we need as far as what breathwork practice we're going to invoke into our lives on a daily basis or on an as-used basis. So the practices that I teach and that I train my students and clients in are all stemming from the Hatha yoga tradition. So they they are the like, I always call them like the granddaddy, grandmother breathwork practices that all breathwork has really stemmed from, from um, the eight limbs of yoga, Patanjali's eight limbs of yoga. And so there's practices that are more neutralizing and calming, more feminine practices that are going to activate the right hemisphere of the brain in our relaxation response. And then there's more intense practices that are really meant to create an arousal in your system and expand and strengthen your nervous system and really support you in like energizing and moving prana throughout your body. I love them both. And um, we work with nine different techniques inside of the Academy of Breath. And for me on a day-to-day basis, it's really tuning in in the morning and asking, what do I need right now? Not what I what I want to do because it's the cool breathwork practice, but like, what is my body truly craving in this moment that is going to serve me and really showing up to today from a place of my highest embodiment. So usually that is calming practices, even though I'm all for the energizing, activating practices. Those are the ones where you get breath high, you know. Um, But for me, having had a lot of trauma in my life, creating that safety in my body is of the utmost importance. So usually I'm doing like very gentle, calming practices that allow me to just tell my nervous system, Hey, it's safe to be here right now. Yeah. It's an important distinction, you know, and it's like with any kind of body-based practices, there's these like, it's almost like there's these two lists, right? It's like, here's a list that's going to like activate you because sometimes you need to be activated. You know, sometimes you need to do an anger release or you need to get high off the breath and like stimulate your emotions and cry. And then there's the other list, which is like, this is a list for the times where you need to really calm the fuck down and you're already triggered. So like, let's bring you into that, you know, parasympathetic state. and it's just like sometimes these things get enmeshed, right? It's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, triggered. I'm gonna like do breath work or I'm gonna, you know, punch these pillows, but they have these different, you know, flavors and these different textures that they bring up in our system. And so it's really good that you mentioned that because not every practice is created equal for the mm-hmm. same purpose. Yeah, totally. And I think that it's important to remember, like, yes, these are spiritual practices but they are fundamentally changing our nervous system every single time that we practice. And so that for me is so empowering. Like I remember I was in a sweat lodge on a retreat in Kauai uh, about a month and a half ago. And I, have you done a sweat lodge before a sweat lodge ceremony? I haven't done one yet, but I, (laughs) I desire to, I love, I love to sweat. I hate to be cold. So like anything like super hot, I'm into that. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm um, like so layered right now. Um, I love, 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 love the heat. And I have a sauna at home as well too. Um, And so I went into the sweat lodge ceremony and I'm like, I got this. I sweat like every day I've been in high temperatures. Amy, it was such an intense experience. <laughs> you have to crawl into this little hut. You're on the dirt in the ground and it's be- It's such a beautiful ceremony. They have all these blankets layered over the tent. So it's pitch black in there. It's so hot. They're um, chanting these beautiful 
in the in the sense or in the case I did a Native American ceremony so all of these beautiful Native American chants and the moment that the blankets dropped my heart just started pounding and I was like uh-oh like I am triggered <laughs> I am aroused but it was so empowering because I knew oh, all I need to do is this equal ratio breath for the next five minutes. I can breathe my way through it and communicate to my body that I'm safe. And so I think that it's so powerful that we have, like we're really sitting on this ultimate healing modality within us that's totally free to anyone across the globe. And we also want to treat it as medicine as well too, just like any other embodiment practices by understanding what it actually activates in us as well. Yeah. Totally. You know, while, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about it. It's like, I love to be warm, but if I get to a space where I'm too hot, I've got like a lot of pitter in me from like Ayurveda. Yeah. And so, so, but I've also got Vata. So like, it's a fine balance for me. It's like, once I hit the too hotness, I'm like, get me out. I'm like yeah. angry, <laughs> but, but usually what I do when I get to that point in my sauna is I do the same as you. I'm like, okay, if I can do like 20 deep breaths, that's a few, you know, a couple of minutes and then 20 more or the same when I'm like holding a plank, you know, and you want to drop yeah. your knees. It's like, you know what, I'm just, just 10 more breaths in this position and then I can relax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. I know. Even when I'm like in the car and it's a hot summer day and the air conditioning's not turning on fast enough, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like trying to like move them to just blow on me as fast as possible. Yeah. I'm, I'm a uh, Vata Pitta as well too. So we're probably very similar in that regard. It's a, it's a fine line, you know, between being <laughs> far too cold or far too fired up. I think also it's something the breath has taught me and maybe resonate is like, it helps to create these like powerful gaps, especially when you're triggered. So like the other day I, I got this like really triggering message from a family family member of mine. And, um, you know, I, I felt myself almost going into like an old trauma response. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take three deep breaths. And then after those three deep breaths, I'm like, okay, I'm going to reply. But my reply is I need time to sit with this before I respond to you. Mm -hmm. Because like, had I not taken that breath, my fingers would have been on that keyboard, like screw you, like the Leo and me ready to like fight and go to war. Yeah. Um, and then I was able to just like breathe for a few hours and then write something back from this really like compassionate, boundary, grounded place. And like that go, that got shows me that like it's not just about having these like explosive experiences with your breath in a ceremony it's like what are you doing with that integration after in your life in your relationships mm -hmm. mm, yeah I mean I think it's so important if we look at how triggered everyone is right now like we are living in a very emotional time I mean all times are emotional but especially right now we're all living through something that we never have before and the way that so much of the media is set up is to keep us in emotion, to keep us in fear. And I was thinking about this the other day, when we are in a chronic state of fear, that chronic state of fight or flight, our, the frontal lobe of our brain, which is where rational thinking, our intuition, decision-making all lives, actually turns off. Like it's, we're only living from the reptilian brain when we are in it, that chronic state of chronic state of, oh my gosh, chronic state <laughs> of fight or flight. And so 
it is so important for us to have these practices on you know a more consistent basis so that we are able to come to a more neutral space whether it be with family members or people on the internet or the way in which we're responding to our community around us because as of now if we're only in that fight or flight state we're not we're thinking only from emotion and so much of the emotion is wrapped in trauma and wrapped in the unconscious um, which is really scary to, to think about how fear has been used against us but again, it's just really empowering to know that it doesn't actually take that much in order for us to get out of that space. Yeah. The breath, right? The breath is the switch. I remember first learning this years ago and I was like, wow, it's so simple, but it's Mm -hmm. like the things that are so simple are the the wellness things that everyone ignores because they're like, Mm -hmm. it's too simple, right? Meditate for 10 minutes a day and my life's going to change. Nah, that that seems too simple. Like not going to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Please give me 10 million supplements that I've spent thousands of dollars on instead. And that'll be the thing that fixes me. (laughs) Literally, literally. And um, I love it because it's, it's free. You know, it's like, it's not like some people have access to their breath and other people don't. And like, you know, some people have this privilege and other people don't. It's like, you can literally control this within your own body and create these amazing experiences, healing, releases, calming yourself down. And I feel like that changes everything because it ripples into the way you communicate your relationships your business like you mentioned earlier like receiving and Mm -hmm. it's it's just so simple yet so profound um I bet you're like me you're like wanted to tell everyone about it all the time like (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah I remember when I did my it was my meditation teacher training actually and I was asking my teacher, Johnny Pollard, he's the founder of One Giant Mind. Um, he's Australian too. I'm not sure what, what part of Oz he's from, but he's epic. And I remember on one of our office hours, I was like, Johnny, I am absolutely obsessed with these practices. How do I get everyone in my life to do them? And, <laughs> and his response was embodiment. And that was really the first time that I had ever heard of the term embodiment. And I mean, now we just hear it all the time and it has many different definitions, but that was the first time that I was like, wow, it's really who I be that is going to attract more and more people to these practices because they're going to see how they have impacted my life and who I've become through the process of really being in devotion to all of this. And it's going to spark interest for them. And that's going to be the thing that influences them or motivates them to step up in their own life or show up in their own life for themselves. Yeah, I totally agree. I would even go as far to say that I think I've tried so many things as I'm sure you have. I would say that breath work is like the deepest healing that I've ever had more Mm -hmm. so than even plant medicines for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there have been so many moments you know, plant medicine is absolutely beautiful. I think that the power of breath work though, is that it offers you integration from those higher states of consciousness. You know, we can have an incredible mushroom journey and feel completely merged with, uh, with, with oneness and, and God and love and all humans, you know, have, we can have those experiences. You can also have those experiences with breath work from a really, um, I would say from a, from a very, heightened state and 
be able to integrate it because it's not taking you out of it's not taking you out of sobriety if, if that makes sense and I am all for plant medicine I think it's so powerful it's I would say my second favorite next to breath work yeah. um but <laughs> with with breath work it's really like an integration because it's not only happening in the mind it's happening in the body as well too and we know that like um, the body is the mirror of the subconscious. And that's really where we want to get into in order to like fundamentally shift who we are in our habituation, habitual reactions. Yeah, totally, totally. And, uh, you know, on the topic that we were sort of dancing with before death and rebirth, like you're literally like dying and being reborn. I think like every time you breathe, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a single, I, my mentor, my breath mentor explained it so beautifully, a single like inhale, if you work with retentions, inhale retention and exhale retention is the life cycle, right? What do we do when we are completely devoid of air? Who are we in that void of nothingness? And how do you show up in that space? It's so beautiful to play with that of being empty and not taking a breath, not yet t- taking a breath in. How do you respond? when I work with my clients on this and students inside of the Academy of Breath, it's so interesting to see the discomfort that comes up, the lack that comes up and how they can actually work with a single round of breath to begin to heal their patterning around what it means to be without anything and what it means to be on that verge of recreation. Um, It's something that I play with a lot when I'm breathing because in the simplest of forms it is a a death and life cycle yeah yeah totally totally the thing that you know lets you know you're alive the first breath and then the last breath you know is your last breath and uh the breath is that common thread in our life cycle it's you know fascinating to me why there's not more you know people who are aware of this even though like obviously the awareness is growing on the planet, you know, Wim Hof made, made all of it like a little bit more public and a bit more famous. <laughs> um, are you, do, are you into Wim Hof? Oh yeah. I love Wim Hof. It's so funny too, because I remember when I first experienced Wim Hof, I can't, I showed my, my dad and I told him, I was like, dad, this guy hiked Everest in sandals and shorts. And my dad was like, you're full of shit. No, he didn't. <laughs> this guy's crazy. He's a nut. And then I think like a year later or something, or the documentary came out on him. And that's when my dad was like, oh, whoa, now I see what you're doing here. Now I get it. Before it was like this woo-woo thing that I was creating. And he kept asking me if I'd go back and get a desk job. I'm like, dad, no, I'm like building something here. <laughs> this stuff, this stuff is powerful. Um, but yeah, Wim Hof is so powerful. I teach Bastrika and Tumo inside of the Academy of Breath in our advanced practitioner training, which is really where Wim Hof was derived from. Um, I think what Wim did that's really cool is that he modernized it a lot and added the element of research and so much science backing these practices, which I think has made it more accessible to a lot of people. Yeah. And definitely men, because I feel like typically women are more receptive to like the mystery of things. They're like, if it feels amazing, then like, I trust that. Whereas like men are a bit more like, how does it work? 
is there a study like tell me why it's going to optimize my reality yeah, or my yeah. wellness you know little broy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean that Wim Hof is what really like got my husband initially into it and then more open to some of these more feminine modalities like rebirthing um actually it was like our anniversary one year and Wim Hof was coming to London and we were living in London at the time and he was like oh my god he's coming on this date and I was like you're not allowed to go because it's our anniversary but I like secretly booked him a ticket and then like on our anniversary it was like you're going to Wim Hof and he like mm-hmm. went to Wim Hof and um he said that there was like this room, 500 men in this room. Wow. And he's like, literally like 80% of the room was bawling their eyes out like babies. And I was wow. like, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that. And just to like yeah. see this visceral response of all these masculine beings in the room. But it's just like, I love that he's made it so accessible, especially to men. Um, so it can like engage with this kind of work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what's really cool about a lot of these practices that are more, I would say, not necessarily more targeted towards men, but more, I would say, yeah, more accessible towards men is that it's kind of like the wrapping paper, right? Of like optimization and productivity <laughs> and like energy and vitality. And then when you unwrap it, it's like, and deep emotional healing <laughs> and the releasing of trauma from years ago. And meeting your inner child. Yeah, yeah. I remember I did a, um, I think it was more like David, David Elliott transformational breath and um, in Maui with um, my husband. And it was a room of about 300 people. And it was so intense. Xavier Rudd was like playing didgeridoo while we, while we were doing it, it was really cool. And I love transformational breath. Um, but Corey had such an intense experience and, you know, the problem with that experience was that it was such a big room and the facilitator wasn't really going around to hold space for anybody. So he walked away from that. Like, I'm never trying breath work again. That was so intense. I didn't know how to deal with those emotions and like what came Mm. up, um, which I think is, you know, an entirely different conversation on facilitation and really being an integrity and knowing how to hold space. Um, But yeah, it, it, it opens up so much. And I think if you're surrounded by the right people or working with the right facilitator, it can like you said, like be one of the most transformational aspects of your healing journey. Yeah, definitely. It's like the, the the actual facilitator, I think is really important. I've had quite a lot of people have come to my membership um, who have reflected to me that like I've helped them to rewrite their story around breathwork because they've had like traumatic experiences even with like gurus you know like really well-known people um doing this because they were in a huge room with too many people in the room and there was like screaming and they weren't able to like integrate what they were feeling similar to your partner um and so like I know for me and I'm sure you love like I take that so seriously around Mm -hmm. like making people feel safe in the breath because it is powerful right it's like Mm -hmm you don't want to fuck around with it. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things that we've heard a lot, just having created the certification program is the facilitation aspect of it. And when to know 
when to know what to use, when to know who to serve, when to know when it's not a good idea for somebody to engage in practices. Um, you know, so many facilitators aren't trauma informed and don't know how to hold space in the in the event that someone is experiencing PTSD or some sort of rehash of their trauma. And I think that that is like, it's a big conversation to have. And I think it is in like the entire coaching space around how to really hold space and how to also know and not be in your ego when you're not suited to be able to support somebody. And that's okay too. It's okay to refer people in order to be in integrity and to really have the best interests of your students or your clients in mind. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always curious about how the industry is maybe going to change over the coming years with this as well. And like, especially supporting people who are in that really deep trauma, PTSD, like you said, because, you know, not all therapies, coaching are created equal for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think it is starting to change. I feel like there's, and I don't know if you've felt this too, even in your own life um, and how you've approached the people that you work with or how many people you work with, but I've certainly experienced so much more discernment with who I welcome into my space to support me. And then of course, how I also hold space in my spaces. Um, and I think a lot of people are starting to be a lot more intentional about where they're spending their money, who they're investing in and um, yeah. And who, who they're really letting into the really tender space that is their, their body and their healing. And I think that it's so cool that that is happening because yeah, these spaces can do harm. Unfortunately they can do harm. And I'm, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I've certainly experienced coaching situations and, and containers that have done more harm than good. Mm, yeah totally I mean it's unregulated and I think it like people always have really good intentions usually mm -hmm. usually people who are coaches or in the industry get into it for the right reasons but it's just like you don't know what you don't know you know doing a two-month certification isn't going to allow you to help someone who's like deep in flashbacks from PTSD you know you mm -hmm. might be like one supportive person that they're receiving a specific medicine from but it's like there are certain scopes that we are responsible for and then others that we're not and that's always been really important to me because you know I have a history of PTSD in the past and like what I really needed when I first started healing was really traditional therapy. You know, had I been taken into something super deep at that time, or even like, you know, taken ayahuasca then or something like I might've been really damaged from that. Um, but luckily I didn't do that. So yeah. yeah. And now here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Thriving. Thriving. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, yeah, like I said, it's like the discernment piece. One that we have, but then also like for anyone that is a facilitator that's listening to this, it's just knowing that it's okay to not know. It's okay to refer out. It's okay to say, I don't have the answer right now. And to be like a mechanism of support without having to like fix. I think, especially in the coaching space and the healing space, we have this idea that we have to like fix our people, but first and foremost, I don't think we're meant to fix anybody. I think we're here to, to help support people to be able to empower themselves in that journey. Um, but also the aspect of 
feeling like we have to fix people when we can intuitively know that we don't have the answers or we're not the best piece of support for them. It's such a powerful, I think it's so powerful for somebody to say, I don't know, and I can, and let me support you in figuring out how we can help you. Yeah, totally. I think your role as a coach or facilitator in most contexts is to help your clients to thrive, right? So it's like, if you can create conditions for that to happen, amazing. But if what's going to help them thrive is to be working with someone else, it's like, that's our service to that person is like to say, hey, I'm going to send you someone else. And it's like, it's it's deep integrity to do that, especially if it means that you're releasing them from a contract or money. But I think like at the end of the day, you want to help people. You got to think about these things like, Mm -hmm. from a zoomed out perspective and think about what it means to be truly generous and helpful to your clients. Yeah, I think that it's one of the things that came up for me early on when I was coaching was just a fear of like, if I can't help this person or like, I have to say no to this person, does that mean that I'm like losing out or like, I'm not going to be able to receive the abundance that I desire. And I like really believe that when we act in integrity and when we're able to like send someone in the direction of someone who would be better served for them, it actually opens up the floodgates to receive even more. And that's like true, true trust and knowing that like, we are all so supported and we don't have to latch on to any opportunity or any person that comes our way just because they came our way if it's not right. Um, And that's been a really fun thing to play with as well in my own life. It's like, ooh, this person isn't a good fit for me. I can trust to say no to this or send them in a different direction and not have feelings of lack or scarcity come up because I'm turning down this opportunity. Like the, the power of no is like, I think the most abundant power or abundant word we can say sometimes. Yeah. So many experiences like that. Like I remember I once released a client and I was releasing like 10,000 pounds of revenue and doing that. But it was because I knew that there was someone else in the industry who I knew had a different skill set to me that would be helpful at that point in her journey. And so I was like, this is, this is where I think you need to go. And then like two days later, I signed like two amazing clients and made like 40,000 pounds or something like a couple of days Mm -hmm. later. And I was able to help these women like in the best, most aligned way. And it's like, energy is like so much deeper than just like our human um like sort of ego-based level of thinking where it's like oh but like this money or this client and I need to be perfect you know for them and be the perfect coach and solve every single problem that every single person ever has and it's just like no you gotta like trust baby trust in your mission you know Mm -hmm. absolutely I I mean I remember in the beginning I was like Uh, I don't know if I'm the best for this person, but it would be really cool if I could support them. And like, that would make me an even greater coach. And oh goodness, those were, I mean, I learned so much that first year of coaching. Um, But those were never the people that I was really, really able to support and, and help them thrive. Like we would get a little bit done, but I wasn't the right coach for them. And it was interesting because it was like that quick fix for my ego in the beginning by saying yes, but then 
all of the times my ego would be bruised throughout the process of like, oh, but maybe I'm not the right person to help them, or why aren't they getting their results, or why aren't they showing up for themselves? Um, and so it's really interesting this this uh, roller coaster that the ego plays in, um, in 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 our business and like our purpose as well too. I think because it is so inextricably linked to our persona or can be on the surface level that the ego the ego likes to rear its ugly head sometimes and I've definitely done especially over this last year like I said at the beginning of this conversation so much work around like really untangling my ego from my 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 work and and my quote worth um that it I had thought that I had healed throughout the years, but it was still in some ways like had stuck its fangs into how I was viewing myself and how I was viewing my work. Yeah. We're always healing, always unraveling, always like, I don't know, like in my gene keys, one of my shadows is arrogance. And so like, sometimes I do this thing where I'm like, I've, I've totally healed that whole area of my life. And then like something will come up again. I'll be like, Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought we were done. Now it's over here, you know, and it's just like so funny. Um, I think especially when people like project you that way as well, like one of the projections that a lot of people have of me is like Amy has her shit together. It's probably my Virgo rising. It's like everything looks perfect and like the ascending part of you. But it's like, you know, anytime I play into that, like, yeah, I fully got my shit together. Then it's like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Here's like yeah. this thing for you to address, you arrogant little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, so my rising is Aries and I'm a, I'm a Leo moon, Scorpio sun. So Love the death it. and the rebirth is it's real for me. It's so real for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then the, I think the aspect of me is like that full expression that I'm like, Oh, I got this. I'm doing it. I'm fully liberated. I'm showing up. And then something will come up where it's like, Ooh, was that actually me that I was putting forward? Or was that something that I thought people would like, or that I thought people would want, or that people have projected onto me? Um, and yeah, the healing, the healing, the healing never ends. It's beautiful though. <laughs> That's why we have breath work to like yeah. just recenter, become one again, talk to God and, you know, come back to a place of like calmness. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, I was putting an offer in on a house, um, in Austin a couple of weeks ago, and it was the first house that I had actually like stepped inside and I pull up to the house with my incredible realtors. She actually worked with a Shay too. Ah, uh, yes. Um, her name's Des and we pull up and she, and I remember her telling me, she's like, don't forget your breath work when we're going through this process, there's going to be a lot of offers. And there was like five different parties of people standing outside of this house. Like it was a house party basically. <laughs> and I felt so much intimidation come up. There was so much of like my inner child of like, Oh, are they going to pick me? Or like, what if people have more money than me or whatever it might be, or they put a bigger offer. And I like could feel my like eyes start to well up and start to cry. And I was like, Oh, does was right. I need to start breathing right now. And like, bring myself down, bring myself down in this experience. And so, Oh, hallelujah for breath work, truly. <laughs> so many uses. Yeah. House, house hunting and like house stuff always brings that up. I think it's like, 
it's so linked as well to like safety and then there's the like being chosen thing Mm -hmm. even like visas is like that you know when people are going through a visa or residency process I've done this a couple of times living around the world you know it always brings this stuff up and you're like where the fuck did that come from all right getting on the mat getting in the sauna doing the breath work because yeah we're always just peeling back these layers or life is like peeling these layers back through different experiences that we're being served mm-hmm. yeah it's um it really is a gift though to be able to step into the awareness to shift all of these things because the way that I see it is that these things wouldn't come up if we weren't meant to shift them or if we weren't ready to shift them and I think it's just a celebration to know like wow, this is going to be uncomfortable. This is going to trigger me. This is going to bring up a lot of stuff and God, source, universe, whatever you want to call it, must think that I am incredibly strong and incredibly equipped to be able to navigate this because I would never be dealt any cards that I can't handle. Yeah, that's a really great outlook that I think is important to kind of like underscore because I think especially people who desire to be coaches or healers or who are on that journey, there can be this strange like story for a lot of people where it's like, oh, I'll be powerful when I have like, you know, nothing to heal or no triggers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's almost like they assume people who are at a certain level of income, success, notoriety, whatever, like they, they don't have those things anymore. They're powerful. They arrived. They're good they're living in their house, counting their money and they're just like happy all the time and like nothing ever triggers them. And it's just like the way that you shared it just then I thought was really powerful. It's like, you are so powerful and that is why you're moving through this. Cause like God Mm -hmm. is giving you this to like, remember who the fuck you are or to like, Mm -hmm. remember how you can move through this or overcome this. And I just think that was like really beautiful for people to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and just to like give everybody some perspective, this past year, 2021 was my biggest year. It was a multiple six figure year. Um, I was at a certain point throughout the year experiencing back to back 50K months. I mean, you were there when it was happening. Yeah. And it was probably one of the hardest years that I have gone through. And one of the years where I actually had a lot of money stuff come up that I had to reconcile and reformat my relationship to money, reformat my relationship to myself. Um, And so just because things look powerful or perfect on the surface does not mean that other people that are at a certain destination that you would like to arrive at aren't still moving through their own processes and moving through their own journeys. I mean, like we've been saying, the healing never really ends. And I just think that that gets to be fun though. Like even though it's difficult, it gets to be fun because we know that like we are getting pulled into something higher and wow. I mean, I remember listening to this pastor that said the greater the adversity, the greater the assignment. And so if anyone's going through it right now, that must mean that you have a pretty powerful assignment here on this earth. Yeah, totally. And on the flip side, you had your biggest financial year in a year that was like probably really fucked up at certain points and really hard. And so it's like, it's again, like another myth being busted of like, oh, you have to be perfectly peaceful and aligned at all moments in time in order to ascend to this level Mm -hmm. of money. Or like, you know, sometimes in the coaching industry, it's almost like 
people are like teaching or like preying upon this story that it's like I've cracked this new energetic code and like I will teach it to you but then I'll like not really teach it to you because I'm gonna like talk in all these weird words and it's like no like you get to be human and move through your shit and be conscious about it and learn through it and fuck up and dust yourself off and still do powerful work make amazing money you know learn about yourself in the process Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that you shared that as well. I, I had like a similar experience. I, I hit a million dollars and I was like so sick when it was mm. happening. I was like, I was sick for like three weeks. My ear was fucked. My whole, I couldn't feel my face. I didn't have COVID. I had some like weird, I don't know. I had like a DNA activation a few weeks before. So I think like my DNA was collapsing or something. <laughs> and, um, you know, I felt like utter shit and I like couldn't even really celebrated at the time but it's like these things don't have to necessarily be like one or the other like you can Mm -hmm. move through your things get sick and still create the things you want to create yes I saw someone there's this reel going around and um it's like I don't want to be a girl boss I don't want to hustle I want to lay in the moss with my lover and create art (laughs) and I was like I want I want both like why does it have to be either or I would love to get paid tons and tons of money and be barefoot all day and I always remember there is a point in the mastermind where you're like I just want to lay by the pool in the sun and eat fresh fruit all day and make tons of money and I was like (laughs) that's my vibe that is exactly what I what I want to do so I'll literally just like sit in the backyard and just like be eating my fruit and have just like nectar flowing down my arms and I'm like this is perfect. This is how I want to receive. I'm not going to subscribe to the stereotype that like, because if I want to make a lot of money, I have to sacrifice like who I am. Yeah, totally. I thought the exact same thing when I saw that meme, I saw it literally like two days ago and I thought, oh, I want to share that. And then I was like, oh, but I am a girl boss. Like I, I do enjoy that part of my identity. Like I want to eat fruit in the sun and then get on my mobile phone and like make decisions and tell my team like what's up and like embody all these different dimensions. Um, So thank you for mentioning that as well, because I think like it's very easy to like put yourself in a box, isn't it? It's like either Mm -hmm. you're the artist in the moss or you're like the cringy girl boss or like whatever it is but it's like yeah you can be whatever the fuck you want to be yeah like why don't we just break the stereotype of what it means to be a girl boss and let it be more inclusive to all the different ways in which we as women want and desire to live like that sounds way more fun because there's so many people I know that are so resistant to putting on the let's say metaphorical pants you know creating an office in like a penthouse in New York or whatever it might be and and working nine to five and having this massive team or you know going on Oprah or whatever it might be like I don't want to do any of that that doesn't mean that I don't have an important mission and that I'm not here to help people and I think that the more that we are able to redefine what it means to be a girl boss even the more space it's going to create for more women to be like hey oh I can do the things that I want to do I can pursue my passions I can show up and help people and I can do it my way yeah totally totally that's like me I'm like a I'm a bougie healer Mm -hmm. (laughs) you are my vision board (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like, I'm so ready to be in Mexico soon. So I can just lay in the sun, eat fruit, go surfing and change the world at the same time. Why not? Yeah. And you're doing that training all these other people to change the world as well through the breath and creating your impact in that way. It's amazing. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Love. So um, amazing conversation. So many little rabbit holes that we went down. Um, let's do a quick fire question uh, about death and rebirth. I'm sure mm. that we have loads of people listening who are like going through the death and the rebirth, especially at the moment, because it's like Mercury retrograde. So what piece of advice would you give for someone who's like really going through it right now, you know, going through the darkness, the density, and they're not yet reborn? Mm -hmm. As best as you can, try to untangle your sense of self-worth from the idea of having to be fully alive in purpose and direction or vision. Your worth is not defined by your purpose. Your existence is not defined by how many courses you have or how much money you make. You exist and you are worthy and you are divine and you are love. And um, not every season of life is meant to be one where we are passionately pursuing our purpose. So allow yourself to slow down and, like I said, untangle the idea that your existence and your worthiness is only tied to what you have going on for you externally. Yeah. Amazing. Totally. Your purpose is to be you, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, I think I like to use the word mission more than purpose because it's like your purpose is to be you and you are love. And then like you have missions. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, mission for sure. Yeah, there's it's so interesting. There's so much weight in different words. You know, I was I think about the difference between like discipline and devotion and how yummy and delicious devotion feels over discipline. So that's been a word that I've been swapping out. Yeah, totally. I I resonate with that definitely. Mm -hmm. Amazing, babe. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your juicy wisdom. Um, where should people find you and also the Academy of Breath? Yes, I'm so grateful that we got to do this. Thank you so much for having me on. And I want you to come on my podcast as well, too. Amazing. Um, I can be found on Instagram at Ava Johanna or at Breathwork Certification. If you want more like breathwork tips and techniques and live free classes, go to at Breathwork Certification. Um, if you just want me, it's at Ava Johanna. Um, and then my website for the Academy of Breath is academyofbreath.org. And we, um, if anyone is interested in learning more, we have our upcoming certification happening like mid-April. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So good to chat, love. I'll pop all these details in the show notes and I can't wait to uh, energetically live through you in Mexico in the next few weeks on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you, babe. So good to chat with you too. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, 
I would be so, so, so grateful. And it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage, and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.